Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Just the Truth. Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves signed a bill today that bans transgender athletes from playing on women's or girls' sports teams. I commend Governor Reeves and the Mississippi legislature. This is a good thing for the state and definitely a necessary thing to discuss. This is a great moment for state sovereignty and, more importantly, the truth. This bill truthfully acknowledges biological reality that so-called transgender women are in fact biological men. There is no escaping that reality. The transgender debate has plagued American society with an increasing pressure on conservatives to abandon the truth. The left started this movement pretending they simply wanted to be left alone, to choose and fabricate their own reality. But with that came the inevitable conclusion of their logic, forcing the rest of us who actually live in reality to not just pretend along with them, but to celebrate and participate in their fantasies. Reality exists for all of us. We may not prefer the reality to which we are presented, but there are some things that are just not under any individual or collective control. For human beings, immutable characteristics are physical attributes which are unable to be changed. That includes age, ethnicity, and yes, sex and gender. But the lie from the liberal left is that we can create our own reality as we wish it to be or prefer. So preference has now become truth for the left. In a culture that elevates and idolizes the individual, the greatest perceived harm is enforcement or even acknowledgement of reality against your or my individual preferences. Like it or not, there are some things in life that are just out of our control. Obviously, to any rational person, we reject the lie that we can change or select our gender. It's not only genuinely unloving to a transgender person to pretend that men can be women or women can be men, but it's also unfair to force the harm on real women. For example, men participating in women's sports or allowing men to go into women's restrooms or locker rooms or battered women's shelters. Why are transgender women, and let's be clear, that term means biological men, preferred in society over real women? And why are we so afraid to speak truth on this issue or to legislate on it? To protect women's rights, we have to be able to first logically and truthfully define what a woman is and what a woman is not. In our post-truth society, where truth itself is a social construct and subject to whatever the individual determines is his or her reality, then the body itself is also argued to be a social construct. The empirical science no longer matters to the left. It's only whatever a person feels. We can't legally protect a category of people if we can't even identify that category concretely. This position is completely antithetical to the Civil Rights Act and protecting certain categories of individuals against unlawful discrimination. What's so absurd about the left's position is that they're arguing for more categories of protected classes, but they can't even discreetly define those categories. 
their categories aren't based on immutable characteristics, but only of preference. Nancy Piercy, professor and scholar in residence at Houston Baptist University and author of the excellent book titled Love Thy Body, says this, quote, every social practice is the expression of fundamental assumptions about what it means to be human. When a society accepts, endorses, and approves the practice, it implicitly commits itself to the accompanying worldview, and all the more so if those practices are enshrined in law. The law functions as a teacher, educating people on what society considers to be morally acceptable. If America accepts abortion, euthanasia, gender-free marriage, and transgender policies, in the process, it will absorb the worldview that justifies those practices, a two-story fragmentation of the human being that denigrates the body and the biological bonds such as the family. And dehumanizing consequences will reach into every aspect of our communal life. That's exactly where we are today. We are dehumanizing genuine, real biological women and the human body itself by pretending that our biology doesn't matter, that it's just a social construct. The end result of this worldview is confusion and a total rejection of truth. Human life, sexuality, and human flourishing have become the moral issue in our era. Make no mistake, this isn't just about censorship or cancel culture. That is just the political result of a society that demands we celebrate and participate in a lie that rejects the truth of reality. The Biden administration is much more than the lackluster, confused face of Joe Biden. It's about everyone within and without the admin that is controlling the narrative and trying to intimidate truth-tellers to be silent. That includes big tech, oligarchs, and private sector employees, and of course, the mainstream media. But the composition of the presidential administration also matters. When we have nominees to the Department of Health and Human Services, that's the title, like Xavier Becerra, and transgender women like Rachel Levine. This is why actions like Mississippi's today matter. State sovereignty is the best way to push back against extreme, radical federal policies and legislation like the so-called Equality Act. I'm sure the Mississippi legislation will soon be challenged in court, and I hope that our Supreme Court has the moral courage to enforce state sovereignty and also enforce truth. It shouldn't take moral courage to say that men and women are biologically determined and we have no control or capacity to change that reality. But stating that publicly has become the bellwether of moral courage in our era. If we are going to have any rational debate or dialogue in culture and in politics, we have to agree on some fundamental truths and basic assumptions. That has to include objective truth and the fact that there are some immutable characteristics about our physical reality and our human bodies that we cannot change. We have to have the moral courage to continue speaking the truth. We'll be right back to continue this conversation with Nancy Piercy, author of Love Thy Body. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery 
to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. We're joined now by Nancy Piercy, who's the author of the wonderful book, Love Thy Body, as well as other books like Total Truth, Finding Truth, absolutely get these books. She's also a professor and scholar in residence at Houston Baptist University. Nancy, thanks so much for coming on. And I have to give the uh, disclosure as well that you are a very good friend of mine. You were a professor of mine when I was an undergrad at the World Journalism Institute. Um, I think that was the year that you wrote Total Truth, and that had such an important impact on my life and uh, going on to write my book to think about all of these political and, things and law in the context of the biblical worldview. So thank you so much for joining me and also for your mentorship in my life. Well, thank you for having me on, and it's great to see you. I don't see you often enough, so this is an ex- a great excuse just to say hello as well. Absolutely. Well, as you know, we're talking about uh, this transgender debate, um, Nancy, I, the, the thing that I want you to focus on and to explain really is the importance of why this matters, not just as a top level debate, because we see even Christians and people who supposedly care about the truth uh, debating these issues and rejecting the objective truth. Uh, why does this matter from a more fundamental level? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. And I, what I appreciate about your program is that you're not just political. You are trying to look at what are the worldviews that drive the political sphere. And I thought one way of starting out would be um, there was a Wall Street Journal article that came out after the Bostock decision. And as you remember, the Bostock decision was a Supreme Court decision last June that interpreted Title VII to mean uh, that that employers had to accommodate transgender employees. In other words, they had to use the preferred pronouns and allow them to uh, dress in opposite sex clothing and so on. And with the justification being that sex doesn't just mean sex, which of course in the 1964 Civil Rights Act, it actually did mean just sex. It it was intended to protect women, but now it's being interpreted as uh, Sex now includes sexual orientation and gender identity. So there was an interesting piece in the Wall Street Journal that said, you may think this is just a legal decision, but it's not. This is a philosophical statement. And I was so glad to see some people starting to recognize that. This this is a philosophical statement about what it means to be male and female. In fact, what it means to be human. Essentially, the court was saying that gender and sex are separate from one another and that your biology has nothing to do with your gender identity. And that's, of course, they're just, uh, that's exactly what transgender activists say. They say your biological sex has nothing to do with your gender identity. That uh, all the way down to kindergarten, children are being taught. It doesn't matter if you have girl parts and boy parts, that doesn't tell you that you're actually a girl or a boy. And kids are coming home from kindergarten and saying, Mom, what am I? You know, I, I don't know anymore. Am I going to, a little girl who came home and said, Mom, am I going to turn into a boy? Uh, so that children get to the, at a very young age are starting to be very confused, confused because they're being taught, you know, your identity has nothing to do with your biological sex. And your body is meaningless and it's it gives you no clues to your identity. It gives you no, no guidelines to your moral choices. You, you, you see how I, I, I wrote my book titled Love Thy yes. Body because this is, 
this is a denigration of the body. It's saying your body has no intrinsic value or dignity. It, it, it does not form a basis for your, for your behavior or your moral choices in any way. So I think this is one of the things we need to get across to people is that the secular view, oddly enough, you know, most people think it's this Christian view that over that, that overvalues maybe the spiritual realm and says, you know, this world doesn't matter, all that matters is the spiritual realm. In fact, it's the opposite. You know, it's a, it's a, sec it's a secular view that says your body doesn't matter. Right. And I think that's an important point uh, that you highlight so well in the book is that this isn't just a religious foundation. This is something that is a truthful foundation. It's empirical. It's objective. And it's a denigration of our bodies to say that we can somehow change our gender. So how, Nancy, did we get to the point that we're even debating this in our culture? What was the worldview sort of trend that, uh, that then ultimately got us to where we are today? Yeah, I'm glad you're asking that because that, that's the topic I dealt with in my earlier book, Total Truth, and that's really the foundation for this. Every civilization has thought that there was a moral order and a natural order, right? And that the two were integrated into a single overarching cosmic system. And therefore, truth would also be a single integrated system of thought. It's only since the scientific revolution that many people in the West began to say, no, no, the only reliable knowledge we have is of the empirical world, of what we can know by science, what we can test in the laboratory. And what does that mean then for moral and spiritual truths? Well, many people decided they weren't really truths. They were just personal preference. They were arbitrary and subjective and relativistic. And that split view of truth, you know, that was truth itself was split in half. It was, you know, exploded apart into two separate domains. And, of course, whatever your view of truth is, is going to define everything else. Right? Everything you think about that is true is going to be influenced by your view of truth. And so when I started studying in issues of the body, immorality, uh, abortion, homosexuality, transgenderism, and so on, I discovered that there, too, people had split the human being into two parts mm -hmm. so that there was your what we could know about your body biologically scientifically and that was completely separate from your internal sense of you know your internal feelings about who you are and your gender identity and uh, uh, you know am i really more masculine or feminine those were split apart as well so mm -hmm. this kind of two two domain view of truth influences everything. Right, and, and it almost seems like that is a, a convolution of itself because if the left is initially saying there's no spirituality, there's nothing that we can know other than what's empirical, and yet now they're rejecting the empirical science of the human body, that seems to be like a an absurd conclusion or a justification. What is their uh, ultimate goal, do you think, in trying to have this sort of divide and rejecting the empirical truth of biology? Yeah, well, this, if you want a word for it, it's postmodernism. Postmodernism has basically taken over these ethical questions. And postmodernism basically says everything's a social construct. Even what you think is scientific, even what you think is measurable um, and testable in the, in the laboratory, is really just a social construction. And the broader reason for that is that, uh, you know, you have to actually go back to Darwinism. Darwinism, um, Darwinian evolution, says your body has no intrinsic purpose or meaning, that nature itself 
has no purpose or meaning and your body is part of nature. So many, uh, let me give you a, a quote that kind of summarizes this. There's a well-known public intellectual named Camille Paglia. And she is a lesbian and a feminist, uh, but she's a little bit of an iconoclast because she does not say uh, your body and your sex is a social construction. No, no, she says nature made us male and female. Humans are a sexually reproducing species. So then you say, well, how do you justify then being a lesbian? And her answer is, well, after all, the, the nature itself is a product of blind, material, purposeless forces. Hmm. So her word is, why not defy nature? Why not defy nature? Even if nature made us male and female, we can defy nature. And uh, let me give you an exact quote from her. She says, fate, not God, has given us this flesh. We have absolute claim to our bodies and may do with them as we see fit. So the logic is, if the natural world has no purpose, if it's a product of mindless, purposeless forces, then it does not give us any moral message. It does not give us any uh, signpost to our identity. We can do with it as we see fit. There is no, no purpose that we are morally obligated to uh, respect. So, so then it everything... really goes back... Yeah, so then everything isn't moral or immoral, it's just amoral. And so this is where, right, we get into uh, this debate of just, you know, the forces of nature. And, and really, it's not even just a rejection then of what nature is telling us, because nature doesn't have any say, right? And then so ultimately, um, the view then would be we can just create our own reality. And it's, and it's the original sin, which is that we are the gods of our own reality. Right, and the irony here is, of course, that science itself shows that the nature nature does have a purpose and a plan. You know, right. that eyes are made for seeing, ears are made for hearing, wings are made for flying, and fins are made for swimming. In fact, the development of the entire organism is directed by an inbuilt plan or blueprint, the DNA. So nature itself is telling us that it is driven by a plan, a purpose, a design, an order. And what we are saying is that people will be happier and healthier when they live in accord with that purpose, when they live in, a, in harmony with that plan. And that would be considered hate speech now, right? Because we're basically saying that you are, you have to go along with and recognize that some things are biologically determined, that some things there is a purpose to nature. And the only way that we can get to that purpose would be recognizing that morality is outside of a social construct and it's predicated on some divine lawgiver outside of man's collective judgment. And so one of the things, uh, Nancy, that I love about uh, what you say, and I think it's in uh, Total Truth, is talking about how uh, we have a system of legislation, and everyone talks about how we can't legislate morality, but actually legislation uh, it does, of course, enforce a moral code. It always does. We have criminal laws, things that we punish in society. We say that they're wrong, they're good and bad, uh, but then it just depends on whose morality we're actually legislating. And so when we come back from the break, I want to ask you more about the current legislation and what type of worldview we're actually enforcing in America today with the Equality Act, uh, some of these other things. So we're going to be right back with more uh, with Nancy Piercy here on Just the Truth. 
The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome back to Just the Truth. We're talking with Nancy Piercy, who is a professor and scholar in residence at Houston Baptist University and authors of the wonderful books, Total Truth, Finding Truth, and most recently, Love Thy Body. And so, uh, Nancy, we were talking in the break about uh, this new study that has come out uh, that you wanted to, to talk about. And I also want to get into uh, some of the legislation that uh, is evidencing what worldview America is shaping. Yes, there was a study done by Lisa Littman at Brown University of uh, transgender kids, kids who identify as transgender, which most mostly girls. And uh, it was the first study so far done of transgender girls. And um, what, what she found was that si virtually 63% of them had already had other mental health issues before they came out as trans. In other words, things like ADHD, anxiety, depression, and autism. Autism, by the way, is the most reliably associated, nobody knows quite why, but it's been associated with transgenderism or before that when it was called transsexualism for a long time. Um, so these are very troubled kids. That's something that we need to keep in mind when we talk about them and certainly if we have personal relationships with them as parents, as teachers uh, in the church or what, wherever, is that these are very troubled kids and um, it doesn't do them a favor to fast track them into transition, which is what's happening today. It's almost impossible for parents to find a therapist who doesn't just immediately put, this, put their child on puberty blockers, cross sex hormones, and heading towards surgery. I had a chance to write an article for The Federalist where I interviewed a, a slew of parents and got to hear their stories firsthand. And many of them told of taking their children to gender clinics, hoping that the gender clinic would help the child work through you know, what, what are some of the emotional, psychological issues that may be you know, confusing you and making you think maybe you're uh, the opposite sex. And it never happened. Never happened. In every case, the child was immediately said, okay, a daughter who a daughter uh, who was immediately told, "Congratulations, you're a boy. Here's where wow. you get testosterone." Uh, that's about the the, the state. And that's what that's what will happen with the Equality Act. By the way, right. the Equality Act it will be if it passes, it will be illegal for any therapist to uh, talk to a young person about what may be behind their gender confusion. And, and not just licensed therapists, but also maybe churches and pastors and youth leaders and so on. Um, that's why the Equality Act, one reason the Equality Act is such one a big deal. One of many. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I find that it's, that it's really 
uh, discouraging and absolutely absurd that we can have these therapists that immediately say, okay, well then we're gonna put you on these types of hormones and we are pro-transition just based on a child's feelings or other things, but we can't also allow for a therapist to actually look at the entire situation and say, well, maybe we need to have some other outcome. And so, uh, Nancy, from a worldview standpoint, what is the driving factor behind why we are pushing young children into transition and into this sort of culture instead of recognizing that maybe the truth of loving their body as biologically determined is actually the best response for them? Yes, I think uh, I like to come back again and again to um, when we talk to these to, to people who are struggling with their gender identity or with uh, sexual orientation as well, that we make sure that our first message is we are talking about respecting your body, honoring your body. You know, the, the, I think the message they often get is negative. Don't do it. It's wrong. Um, it's a sin, as you might hear in the church, for example. But I think that we will be more effective if we help help people to see that what we're, what we're trying to get across to you is that we honor and respect your body as a, as a creation of God. God's handiwork is, is good. It's intrinsically good. And we are concerned about this not just in order to, um, to, to tell you to stop doing something, but to tell you to start doing something. You, you have to replace something. Uh, if something's not healthy, you have to replace it with something that is healthy. Here's, here's an argument that has worked re- very well um, with, in, interestingly enough, uh, with both my secular friends and my Christian friends, and it was kind of a surprise to me. I, I, have an, I, I presented an argument based on the environmental movement, and you say, whoa, what's the connection between environmentalism and transgenderism? The connection is that um, in what we've learned from the environmental movement is that to avoid pollution and ecological disasters, we have to, when we, inter, when we intervene in nature, we have to respect the structure of nature as it is. It doesn't mean you can't intervene, but when you do, you have to respect the structure of nature as it is. And what we are saying is that when it comes to your body, you will be healthier and happier if you respect the structure of nature, of your biological nature. Right. And, and so it's that's really it's that's also fascinating as well message. to say that you know we need to honor and respect the nature of our bodies. And when you talk about intervening, that is the whole transgender movement is these medical interventions. And that's also uh, one of the arguments that pro-lifers make as well is that you know obviously abortion is a medical intervention into the pregnancy. So I can see how all of these things are interrelated. And so when we're talking, uh, Nancy, about legislating these things, there are so many people that uh, that would say, well, we can't legislate according to morality. We have to leave this open to choice and legislation shouldn't be imposing my worldview on yours, my morality uh, for yours. What's your response to that in terms of legislation? Yes, well, I love the way you introduced this section because you said when we pass laws, we impose a worldview. And the worldview being imposed here is that your body doesn't matter your body is just a, uh, something that we know scientifically, but it does not have anything to do with who you are as a person. Your personhood is a separate, arbitrary, um, t- uh, uh, as a dichotomy. You know, there's a, a dichotomy between the body and the person. So we've been talking about transgenderism, but let me show you how it 
relates to something like abortion as well, because what's uh, interesting in love, my book, Love Thy Body, is I show that the same worldview underlies all of these issues. Kind of, it's a kind of a connecting thread that will help you make sense of all of these issues. So abortion, for example, if you read bio, uh, professional bioethicists, there is not one of them that denies that life begins at conception. Professional bioethicists all agree that life begins at conception. That's kind of a surprise sometimes to the public. They don't know that yet. But the evidence from DNA and genetics is just too strong to deny it. So how then do they justify supporting abortion? Well, what they say is at one stage of development, the fetus is human, biologically human, physiologically, you know, something that we can know scientifically. The fetus is human. We acknowledge that. But it doesn't become a person until some time later. And it's when it's a person that it has moral standing and that it uh, warrants legal protection. And so if you can be human at one point, but not a person until some time later, then clearly these are two separate things. So you see, it's the same division that we saw with transgenderism. Your body is over on one side where it really has no particular value uh, as uh, the denigration of the body. And then personhood, which is purely arbitrary, something that's a, a mental category. Being a, being a person is just a matter of, uh, which usually defined in some sort of cognitive functioning, some level of self-awareness um, and me mental functioning. So is that true also, that split between the terms that the left uses between sex and gender? It really is, yes, because your sex is the biological fact about you, and then your gender is how you feel. You know, and, and you can, according to, um, to, to postmodern sexual theorists, like Judith Butler is the best known because she's considered the founder of queer theory. And she argues explicitly, and she herself is a lesbian. So she argues explicitly that sex is one thing and it's completely disconnected from your gender. You have nothing to do with one another. She, 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 she's an academic. So the term she uses is denaturalizing. Most of us think there's a natural connection between your sex and your gender and your sexual orientation. And most people want that kind of internal coherence. We want that connect, a feeling of unity and connection. But because she doesn't have that unity, since she is a lesbian, um, she argues that, no, 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 there is no natural connection. And we all just need to accept the fact that there's no inherent connection. This is purely arbitrary. Um, you know, uh, in, in my book, Total Truth, I help people f in, uh, with a mental image. Philosophers, when they talk about this, this, this disjunction between the body and the person, or the body as, as you know, your biological sex and who you feel you are as, as a person and your gender, um, that disjunction is often described using the metaphor of two stories in a building. So in the lower story, you have science and facts and what you can know about the body scientifically and then in the upper story completely separate from it is your is your internal feeling of who who am i as a man or a woman my my gender or when we're talking about abortion you know cognitive abilities and so on and by the way notice that it's totally arbitrary this is one yes. of the problems who just who decides what's in the in the upper story, so to speak? If it's not connected to biology, what is it connected to? And every bioethicist draws a line at a different place. 
uh, that part of what you're talking about when you say, well, what are we legislating there? In that case, what are we legislating? The answer is whoever has the most power is going to right. decide. Right. And we're then forcing our subjective preferences on the rest of the world. And, and your book, Love Thy Body, actually the first chapter uh, says, is titled, I Hate Me, because that's really what we're teaching um, our young children is to not respect their own bodies, to not understand all of that, but rather to be uh, just just subject to uh, whatever they feel. And that's completely arbitrary. And of course, in uh, the context of a child, that could change day by day. They're still learning and experiencing uh, reality and they're, they're growing and maturing. And so, uh, Nancy, when we come back and we unfortunately have to take a break right now, this is such a great conversation. And I love the worldview emphasis. And I want to ask you, um, when we come back, some of the more practical terms of how we can push back on this type of legislation. We'll be right back. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome back to Just the Truth. We're continuing the conversation with Nancy Piercy, who is the author of the wonderful book, Love Thy Body, which explains how uh, we can truly understand the worldview philosophy behind the transgender movement, all of the lies of the liberal left. And Nancy, thank you so much for explaining uh, very clearly the worldview implications and the underlying foundations of this. And I think the natural place to go for a lot of people is, you know, the world around us is just so incredible backward and is so false and is spreading so much of, of the lies of the culture. So how do we roll the ball back and get people to actually look for and discover truth? And I think that gets into your personal story as well, because you used to be an atheist, but then you were really on the mission of discovering genuine truth. And so you're now an advocate. So I think there is hope for the world, because if we can all find the truth of the word of God, uh, then of course there's hope for the culture. So um, Explain a little bit of how you found truth and what your encouragement is for everyone today. Yes, well, I was raised in a Lutheran home, but I started asking questions when I was in high school, and uh, nobody, nobody had any answers. You know, in terms of the adults in my life and my church and so on, nobody had any answers. And so, um, the, the, I'll, I'll just give you one example. I spoke to a Christian college professor, and I said, "Why are you a Christian?" And he said, "Works for me." Wow. I said, what? That's it. Uh, I had a chance to talk to a seminary dean. I thought I'd get something more substantial there. And he said, all he said was, don't worry, we all have doubts sometimes. That's, that's not substantive. That's so, that's, oh. so, that's so completely the mega churches today. And I can't harp <laughs> on this enough that we have to have truth because the Bible talks about giving an answer for the hope that lies within you and having a reasonable faith. And for people watching this and for you and me that want those answers, and Nancy, that was part of my personal faith journey as well, was that when you and I had some of these conversations when I was an undergrad, when I was in law school, uh, you sat down with me and had a lot of these conversations that were substantive and we have answers and that's really encouraging. So um, so you, you are a Francis Schaeffer scholar and so uh, 
that was, I think, where you actually were, were having these conversations to discover the truth. Right. So uh, it was, I, I spent several years as an agnostic, and then I was going to school in Europe, and I came across the ministry of Francis Schaeffer. He has sort of a residential ministry where young people would come, and they could actually live there and ask their questions. And that was the first time I had encountered any Christians who spoke about reasons and logic and wow. you know, good arguments supporting Christianity, Christian truth. And, and it was it took a while because uh, I was not interested in coming back to the church that I had left as a child. I I was very adamant that I did not want to go back. Um, so it, was, it took a year and a half. Hmm. Uh, and I was there. I went to Labrie and then I left because uh, Labrie was excuse me. Uh, Labrie was the name of the ministry of Francis Schaeffer there in Switzerland. And uh, I, I, I left and just continued reading on my own. In a sense, I read my way back to God and then decided to go back to Libri and get get grounded in the worldview. I, I, I'm so glad you talked, you used that word a lot, yes. uh, the Christian worldview, because it's not just a, it's not just a matter of, you know, how people talk about Christianity or about religion in general as a way of getting saved. And it's not just a way of getting saved. It is a, a total worldview that tells you something about well, the topics we're talking about today, sexuality yes. and life and abortion and uh, policy, public policy and education, it, it, there is a Christian perspective on every area of life. And that's what worldview means. It means a view of the entire world. And I wanted to uh, make sure we have time to get back to your first question, too, though, which is how do we push back then on, on these issues? Jenna, the thing that I have found that's most difficult people for people is just to change their language, hmm. um, to, to use positive language. Let me give you a, just one story from my book, Love Thy Body. It's got lots of personal anecdotes. It's full of stories, especially for my students. Um, uh, but one of, one of my favorite ones is a young man who was uh, exclusively attracted to the same sex uh, all of his growing up years. His name was Sean. And... He, he was in a gay-affirming family and attended a gay-affirming church. Wow. So he didn't think there was anything wrong. I, I, right. Most people think if you... Uh, today he's married and has three children, and most people think if you, um, if you leave homosexuality, it's because of, of shame and guilt. And that wasn't the case. And that's what makes his, his story so interesting. Mm. He said, what the, the change came when I stopped identifying myself by my sexual feelings and started to accept, uh, base my identity on my body. He mm -hmm. said, I, I wasn't trying to change my feelings directly, which rarely works. If, if you've had an experience with this, you know it doesn't usually work. Um, he said, but instead I decided to accept what I already had, which was a male body, as a good gift from God, as a good gift from God. And then he said, my feelings started to follow suit. So in, in other words, Instead of uh, defying nature, do you remember Camille Paglia as a lesbian said, well, I can just defy nature. Why should I take my identity from my body, from my biological sex? Um, instead of defying nature, this young man, Sean, said, I will take my identity from my body because I think of my body as a good gift from a loving creator. And so in many ways, that's the core of all of these issues is do we live in a cosmos that's produced by blind, material, purposeless forces, 
or do we live in a cosmos that is the creation of a loving personal creator and therefore it's intrinsically good so we will have a better chance communicating with people if we come with that positive message first Uh, a a lesbian who i interviewed she was a former lesbian who's now married and has two kids and she said um i finally came to accept that god had made me female for a reason and i wanted to honor my body by living in accord with the creator's design that's a beautiful way of expressing that. And uh, I love Sean's story about recognizing the truth first and then his feelings followed after that because yes. we also live in an inverted culture where uh, the the left wants to just go based on feelings, where feelings just show what you're thinking about truth rather than saying what is the truth acting on the truth and then having your feelings start to align with that. And uh, so Nancy, in the last just minute that we have here, I want to give everyone your uh, contact information where they can reach you, where they can find your books, um, about your books. So where can people find you online, social media, all of that? Right. So um, I'm pretty active on Facebook. I'm pretty pretty active on Twitter. You've seen me. I've seen you. (laughs) I share your stuff all the time. It's great. Um, so obviously people can contact me there. Uh, you can contact me uh, through HBU. HBU, uh, my uh, my work email is on HBU. And I do have and a website. Houston Baptist Nancy. University, right? Excuse me, I should have said that. You're right. Houston Baptist University. Great. Right? Uh, um, and, and I do have a website, nancypiercy.com, just nancypiercy.com. Um, so those would be ways to contact me. Thank All you. Right. For and you're, yeah, thank you so much uh, for being here. And your books are Total Truth, Finding Truth, which, by the way, if there's a college student in your life or someone who's looking for the truth, that uh, lays out really five uh, critical reasons and um, kind of a, a structure and a, um, a fundamental uh, metric by which we can understand to compare and contrast what is truth, how do we get there. Um, it's a wonderful book. And then, of course, what we've been discussing tonight, Love Thy Body. Um, so, Nancy, Piercy. You can find all of her works uh, wherever you get your books. And we will be right back with more of Just the Truth. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know, I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are, too. I've tried so many bras in the past. And the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Thanks for listening to Just the Truth Podcast. And as always, you can email us questions at justthetruth at americasvoice.news. And I will cover some of those in the public square section nightly on Real America's Voice. You can download the app or you can stream that uh, anywhere 
on our channels. And if you want to find Nancy Piercy's books, I highly, highly recommend, obviously, Love Thy Body, but also Total Truth and Finding Truth. Um, these are great resources just to delve into more of the worldview foundations of why we have irrational faith and why and how we can analyze the issues that are concerning us today, because we can't just do the top level political issues and approach this from my perspective versus your perspective or my truth versus your, your truth. We have to start at a foundational level and understand that worldview and how we view the world, how we understand and recognize truth then pervades our thinking across all the other issues. And Nancy has been so influential in my life as I talk to her about. Um, she is just a wonderful, wonderful resource, a great friend, and I know that you will really enjoy her books. So those again are Total Truth, Finding Truth, and Love Thy Body. So tune in next week. We'll be back on Monday with more of Just the Truth podcast.